Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and uh, probably in some parts of the country, uh, good evening, or good morning as well. Anyway, this is Fred Houston, and you are listening to This Week on the Stone and Tile Show. And in a few minutes here, we're going to be talking about rotting. Uh, For those of you who don't know what rotting is, that's primarily where you insert a rod under the countertop, under a granite countertop, uh, where there's an opening, such as a, a sink opening, to reinforce that that small strip. And we're going to be talking to Joseph Corlett, who is a seasoned pro who does a lot of these repairs. So we're going to get Joe on the phone here, or actually he's going to call in in a few minutes here, and uh, we'll ask him how he does these repairs and what tips he has and um, some of the questions and I may have for him. I'm not sure I can take callers while he's on the phone. You can go ahead and try at three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. But if you do have a question for me or for Joe when he gets on the line here, um, go ahead and send me either an email at fhouston at gmail dot com, or if you're on Facebook, you can go ahead and use Facebook Messenger. Just go to a little search a little search window up above on Facebook and type in Stone Forensics, and that will get you right to my page. And that is the best way. Now, before we get Joe on the on the air here, I just want to mention. Uh, last week, I had a, a an email from an individual that was talking about discoloration of granite. And after the show, he sent me a photograph of the discoloration. And what it looked like to me, as far as the type of discoloration he had on this countertop, and of course, it's hard to tell sometimes in a photograph, is either someone had darkened it, darkened it purposely with ager, or, uh, and I had this case many years ago, where someone was just cooking a lot with oils. And it darkened the entire countertop with oil. Uh, the best way to solve that problem, well, there's several ways to solve the problem. You can try pulling that excess ager out or pulling that excess uh, oil out with a lot of poultices. Or do what I did in a case that I had years ago. And this case was a, a lady who owned a restaurant. She owned an Italian restaurant. And she did a lot of her experimental cooking at home on a granite countertop. Well, a lot of olive oil, a lot of other types of oil were used, and basically her whole countertop was covered in oil, except for a few light spots where the oil hadn't penetrated. So I looked at it, and it was a rather big countertop, and I'm saying to myself, oh, do we want to go ahead and put poultices on this all over the countertop, disrupt her everyday living in the kitchen, it may take days for it to pull out, and I got the idea, why not just darken the entire countertop down with oil? So that's what we did. We ended up taking some extra virgin olive oil, which is what she liked to cook with, and we took those light-colored areas where the oil hadn't penetrated and simply just wiped some oil in there, let it soak in for a couple of hours, and then go back and wipe it off. And voila, her countertop was dark, but it was an even, consistent color. So that's always an option. Of course, you want to approve that with a customer before you do something like that. I had another case that was kind of interesting along the oil line, and that is uh, a friend of mine who was a restoration contractor in um, in Texas had an issue with a with a what they call a clean house, and this was a lady who had a child that was allergic to everything. I mean, this this kid was allergic to everything, including water. I think so. They wanted to seal the granite countertop. 
but they didn't want to use the typical sealers or impregnators that we buy in the store or, or from our suppliers. So put my thinking cap on. I thought I went back to that oil situation and I said, what if you got mineral oil? You know, just a, a clear mineral oil and see if that would darken the countertop down. And effectively, what that should do is seal the countertop. And it did. It worked perfectly. Um, they, they've done that with, with soapstone for years. They'll use tongue oil on it and oil it down. So it'll also work for granite and probably some other stones. But again, you have to be careful. Uh, it can be sticky if you don't wipe off the excess. It will darken the stone. Uh, that's that's for sure. So, all right, let's go ahead and I think we got Joe on the line here. Let me go ahead and uh, cue him in. And uh, Joe, are you there? Yes, I am, Fred. Good talking hey, to Joseph. you. Hey, same to you. Uh, uh, started the show. I, I I didn't really introduce you too much, so why don't let, I let you do that? Tell the folks who you are, where you are, or about a little bit about your company and what you do. Well, um, I started out as a solid surface fabricator. Um, I went to Corian School back in uh, 1994. I remember we got out of Corian School and Waco, Texas was burning down uh, when we were all sitting at the bar. And uh, I was a solid surface fabricator for quite a few years. I sold that business in 2001 in Toledo, Ohio. It now has 30 employees. Uh, I went to work for another fabricator. Uh, as, a, as a still in the solid surface business, but I got my Michigan contractor license when he laid me off, and I had to start getting into the stone business just because there was so much demand. And I went to some SFA meetings and some other guys and just talked, and um, you know, it, it it wasn't that big of a transition to go from solid surface to stone, and just keeping up on uh, the business and and what's going on. And then um, I moved to Florida six years ago in July, got my contractor's license down here, but I remain in the, um, in the, in the predominantly in the stone business uh, and in the solid surface business, I should say, but just as a repair person, I don't do any fabrication work anymore. Um, and the, the recently I've started, I've even gotten less into repairs and I'm doing a sink replacement business. And this was this business actually was birthed because of uh, my experience replacing the rods in the failed stone countertops. I, I had to learn how to change these sinks uh, to fix these failed rods. And uh, it, it the the sink change out work pays even better than the repairs do. So, I mean, that's, oh, I I'll be honest. <laughs> that's why I do it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The I one today. Yeah, uh, before we get into that, uh, the actual repairs and the sink replacement, uh, you made a comment that I have to comment on. And, uh, you know, as you know, I've trained a lot of people, a lot of a lot of the people I've trained in, especially in the fabrication end, that came from the solid surface end. And you can tell me what your experience was here as well. Uh, I found that the biggest hurdle for those guys was going from a dry shop to a wet shop. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah, that, was, that, that, a, a, was that a hurdle, hurdle for you? And, well, the the other thing is is the time it takes with stone because with solid surface you're using 
you, you're used to going through a four grip protocol in five minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you're just getting started. Right. <laughs> Get your first grit going with the <laughs> stone business. And, and so it, that's really hard for a solid surface guy to get the hang of. You mean I got to polish some more? I mean, oh, it's, that's tough. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about this rotting issue. You know, we've we've taught rotting over the years, and uh, you know, one of the biggest issues with rotting, of course, is the what we call iron jacking or rusting of the mm-hmm. uh, metal metal rods that they use. Now, you know, we'll we'll get we'll talk about the fiberglass rods in a second, but let's go ahead and start with. Just let me ask you the question, and the obvious question is yes, but maybe a little bit more detail. These are repairable. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But the biggest difference, and I cannot stress this enough, but the biggest difference between what I do and what every most other guys do is that rod must be removed. I don't care what anyone says. I agree. The rod must be pulled. You, you are not going to fill that slot full of epoxy. You are not going to putty over it. It's absolutely not going to happen. And the difference is, um, well, I, I can give an example. I did a sink replacement job uh, with an apron-style sink uh, because the rod was jacked in the front. And the reason was the, the guy a year earlier had paid someone $350 to come over and, and dig out the split a little bit. And he did a great look and repair. He had a model thing going on and he it was all modeled and looked just like the stone he had a nice repair but the thing was he never addressed the leaking sink which caused the rod to jack in the first place (laughs) and and he never he never pulled the rod so of course this guy set 350 dollars on fire because he's (laughs) calling me a year later saying hey joe you got to get out here and, and and save me and of course you know i'm three times that you know, for a repair and, and, and eight times that for a sink replacement. And that's what people don't want to hear. They think that they can get on Craigslist and get a guy to come yep. over with some super glue and dry it up and epoxy and, and you're good to go. Well, no, you can't. And uh, it's, it's involved uh, pulling those, those, those rods, but they absolutely have to go. I agree with that. You know, the, what I like to, uh, an analogy I like to use would be if you had rust on your car, uh, just simply painting over it is not going to do the trick. You have yeah. to actually eliminate no. the rust. And that's literally what yeah. you're doing here here with the rods themselves. It, now, exactly. you know, yeah. and, and another issue I see, and I'm sure we've had conversations about this in the past, is actually when these guys actually do the rod, ignoring the type of rod for right now, and it's the type of glue that they're using. Uh, a lot of guys are using polyesters. Uh, and it's wrong. Oh, you shouldn't use polyester. So talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's the main thing. And I can smell polyester the minute. I mean, I can tell by looking at it. But you know, I know that's unscientific. But hey, bear with me. It uh, works. <laughs> I can tell polyester immediately. And if you abrade it at all, the smell comes off, and you know immediately that you're dealing with polyester. Um, it just does not have the water resistance that um, epoxy does. And, of course, polyester is half the cost of uh, epoxy, so that's why these guys are bedding these rods in polyester instead of uh, in in epoxy. But I I think the the critical thing here is, 
and and I don't know if I'm I'm going out on a limb or whatever, but the 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 whole problem starts with the way sinks are attached. Um, yes, I am sure. not a fan of clips. I'm not a fan of perimeter clip system. Um, I I just don't believe that's the right way to uh, attach a sink. I am a a believer in the strap system, whether it's the Hercules Universal Sink Harness or the Sink Strap from Regent Stone Products, where what what you're doing is is you're putting a strap onto the sides of the cabinet. And then as you tighten that strap, you're pushing the sink up against the bottom of the stone. And and what have you just done? You've just made a nine-inch deep steel truss in one of the weakest areas in, to one of the strongest because of, of what you've made with that, with that strap. And there are simply no clip systems that are out there that can turn a sink into a truss. They don't. They just hang... It's like a guy hanging off a cliff by his fingernails or a guy who's got his butt in a sling hanging off a cliff. Which guy do you want to be? You want to be the guy whose butt's in the sling. And that's exactly what's what's going on. And the the problem is everybody wants the look of that skinny front rail. Well, that's terrific. But what that means is these guys can't get any of those clips along that front rail because there isn't enough room. So what do they do? They eliminate it. And if you've got a, a, a 50-50 sink or a sink with a divider, what you've essentially got is in that, at that divider, you've got steel on the flat. And steel on the flat is extremely flexible. That sink will wiggle like crazy. And now you've got steel on the flat, and you've got a wiggly sink. That's a disaster. You've just created the – Grand Canyon of Colorado River water to divert to that rod that's set in polyester, and it's going to blow. And I see this over and over and over again. I think one of the things is those. I, I I also like the support systems as well as now. You know, you're taking the sink and all the weight of the sink. You know, you you have people that are going to fill the sink to the brim with water, so it's going to get really heavy. You know, wash their puppy in it, wash their baby in it. I've seen that, and not even yeah. to mention some of these heavier sinks. Now all the weight is on the cabinet and not on the granite, so you're not going to have that problem. So I, I agree with you exactly. uh, 100%. 100%. Exactly. And, there, there, and there are various systems out there. I mean, years ago I used a, uh, a rail system that I think Braxton sold at the time. I don't know if they still sell it, but there mm-hmm. are lots of those systems out there. And I'm with you. I'm 100% with you when it comes, when it yeah. comes to the, that. The other nice thing is, especially about the strap system, if you dent your sink or if you gouge your sink or if you need to replace that sink if that thing is strapped you take one wrench on the end of your drill you go and back that turnbuckle off the straps drop you take a scraper you tap it around the perimeter the sink pulls it'll pop right out of the hole yep you put a new sink in you clamp it in place silicone it strap it back up you're done in 45 minutes yep and you replace a sink there's none of this nonsense. Well, you got to pull the granite top. Nonsense. You do not have to pull the granite top. If you've got, if your sink is clipped up in place, oh man, I, I, what I found a lot of times I end up doing is just driving a stiff bladed scraper right into those uh, sink clips, and it just blows them right off. Oh yeah, I, I absolutely. Don't even, I don't even lay underneath. 
and try to get a screwdriver. Oh my God, that's just impossible. And and so I just take a screw a, a, a stiff bladed uh, scraper and and blast it into the clips and knock them right out and drop the sink. You know, it's interesting when I used to teach that system, uh, you know, fabricators say, yeah, but these things cost money. And I would look at them and I would say, well, how long does it take you to actually do those anchors? And how many of those anchors have you have failed on you, especially if they're using chemical anchors as opposed to, you know, using like a T31 or something like that. And uh, then they're going, well, I guess you got a good point there. So it's, it's well worth and they're not super expensive. They're not super expensive at all. Right. Uh, And it's going to save you a lot of headaches. Yeah, the other thing that they need to think about, and, and nobody would ever think of this except a guy like me who does a lot of sink replacements, they cut those slots for those anchors, and they're buried up underneath there, and that's all fine and good. Everything's fine until the day you replace that sink, and I come along with my saw, and I cut right through that slot. Now, right ah. with my finished sink edge, I've got a great big gaping grinder hole, and <laughs> yep. I've got to charge you to take a piece of granite and go out in the yard and finesse, finesse this little quarter-inch thick, six-inch uh, radius thing and glue it into that slot and then grind it all back down again and, and, and everything. Now, I, I get them to pretty well disappear, and since they're not on the top, they don't really show that much. But right. that's something that, that people from from our end need to understand is that – you're you're setting another bomb for the guy whoever replaces the sink. Cause, and I've had that happen to me two or three times now where I cut the sink out. I'm all happy. Maybe I'm going to put an apron front sink in. I make my cuts, and whoopsie, there we go. We're cutting right through the little piece of lead, maybe a little lead anchor. i got to dig that thing out of there and fill that, or else i got a, a slot that, that I'm cutting through uh, longitudinally, and i got to fill that thing. Uh, just more work and more money for my customers. Exactly. You know, before the show, Joe, I read some of your articles. I think you re- uh, wrote one article on on re- repair procedure in um, Countertop IQ, which, which I also have written for. And you made yeah. a comment mm-hmm. that you made a comment at the very last sentence of your article that I want to kind of address and a- ask you uh, what it referred to. And I, and I can't remember the exact words, but it was something to the effect that uh, you think rotting may now be obsolete. Oh, absolutely. Why? Okay. I, 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 there's there are equipment that is out there. I mean, what what the thing is is rotting started from it was Uncle Guido always did it at the stone shop, and I apprenticed under Uncle Guido and during my college days and all this stuff, and he always did it, and this was always the way it was done, and that was just that, okay? But what people have done is come along and said, okay, you know what? Let's think of the money we could save if we could skip rotting well what does that mean that means that you do the sink cutout and you immediately clamp like the omni cubed sink savers which for right. people who aren't familiar are like a an aluminum two by four picture an aluminum two by four with clamps on it now you've cut the stone you've made it weak you put that aluminum two by four and you clamp it on there pull it off that bench i don't care if you load it in the truck right then and send it to montana when it gets to montana it's going to be in one piece because that stone is not breaking with that thing clamped on it now you take it into the lady's house the cabinets are level and uh and strong and and of course stone is is strong in compression and it's weak in tension 
But what happens when you lay that stone on there, the cabinets provide all the strength and tension that's necessary. So, So now it doesn't need to be rotted because it's lying on level cabinets. So there's no you know, need for any rot. Let me interrupt it, you there it, for a second. Be, let me interrupt yeah. you a second, Joe, because this is a really important point there. And that is, you know, you're 100% right when it comes to these um, stabilizers that they that they use, whether it's the OmniCube or some of the other ones that are out there. But the biggest mistake I see with them, other than not applying them properly, is once they do get the countertop in, is not actually – um, you know, removing that that particular support before the countertop is even placed on the cabinet, and, and you can go on YouTube all day long and watch these countertops that are breaking because, <laughs> excuse me, they don't know how to move stone. You know, they just they they, they get yeah. very lackadaisical about it. So it's it's a good yeah. point, but caution is still in need. <laughs> yeah, and the and the other thing is is I, just the other day I had a. a a guy hired me to do a repair at a sink rail, and of course this this thing was rotted, and it, it was broken in two pieces. And I like those because if it's not rotted, this is terrific. I can pop that piece of stone out of there. I can decontaminate the cracks. I can fill the cracks full of adhesive and put that thing back together and buff it up. It's strong as can be. But this guy, nuh-uh, because he's because it, it's cracked on the right. It's cracked in the middle. And I can't budge that thing off there because that rod is still gripping that stone. So yep. all I can do is try to trickle a little thin stuff down the crack and hope for the best. So the the rods are good in 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 one sense, but once they fail and you do have a crack, now you're really in trouble because you've got a rotted top. That's exactly right. So let's as as, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and. Talk. Right. Let's go ahead and talk about the repair. So let's let's say, well, actually, before we talk about the repairs, let's talk about the type of rods that are available. I mean, you know, in the old days, we used to use threaded rod, and then a lot of the what I call the, uh, you know, what is the quarter inch by eighth of an inch, you know, kind of like an I beam type type effect rod. And right. now they have fiberglass fiberglass rods. So what's your opinion there? Well, I think anybody that puts ferrous metal in embeds any kind of ferrous metal, epoxy or not, into a stone is a fool. There, it's just when there's the, the uh, fiberglass is available and when there is uh, uh, the, the other composites and stuff or even stainless, and you can bet that in epoxy, even if the sink fails, even if the sink starts leaking, you might have a chance to notice that your cabinet hinges are rusting and maybe you've got a leaky sink, but at least your granite's not going to blow up. Uh, yeah, that's so a good point. I would say anybody that puts any kind of ferrous metal in into a top is is an idiot. And and again, these guys do it because it was the way Uncle Guido did it, and yep. they're saving money. They can buy a half a ton of, of, of steel for $8 and instead of the stainless, which costs more. And I, I don't know. I haven't checked the prices on fiberglass, but um, to me, that's you know they're they're nuts for doing that. Well, and and again, I don't think the price is really that expensive. I think it's a matter of you know, as you said, this way Uncle Guido showed me how to do it, so this is the way yep. I'm doing it. And some fabricators yep. are just not they're just they don't like change, and it's a shame because the industry the industry is changing. Okay, so let's say you've got a you've got a rod that's rusted, it's cracked the granite countertop. Walk me through the procedure of how you would repair that. 
if 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 you called me to your house and 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 you say, Joe, I, and I diagnose them on the phone anymore, and they they go, I got this crack. It's about a foot long. I says, and it runs parallel with your sink on the rail, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. How'd you know that? Well, because you have a blown rod, and they're almost evenly split between the front and the back these days. I'm I've been surprised how many back ones fail. But what I tell people is, okay, there's two ways we're going to go about this. I am I, going to pull the rod, and I am not going to be the cheapest guy, and you're not going to compare me to some guy on Craigslist for $300. That's a non-starter. Uh, but if they do want to go ahead, um, what I will do is um, I'll give them a price for the rod repair and tell them that depending on your stone and depending on the movement – it will be fixed. It will be fixed permanently, and and this repaired crack will probably always look like a natural fissure in the stone, but you're always going to see it, and you're always going to know it's there. I'm not going to promise that you're going to get invisible. You may get inconspicuous. That's what they used to teach us in Corian school, that Corian yep. scenes are always inconspicuous. They're not invisible because I don't care how good your seam and your glue is. If you're cutting through particulates, you're making a flat line, which your eye can pick up, but I digress. Anyway, so that's your, your plan A is, is let's say that's $1,000, and i got to pull the cabinet front. I usually always have to pull the cabinet front, and usually I had one the other day where I had to pull the cabinet back. I had to pull that rail off the back and take the faucet off and the sink out in order to gain access to the rusty rod. That is plan A. Let's say it's $1,000. Now, if you've waited too long to call me, and you probably saw this one in that article in Countertop IQ, they waited too long to call me. The entire rail next to the sink has been obliterated. The, the, oh, wow. the wow. rust is literally eating the stone. The, the, the rail, half the rail is gone. So, so I have no stone to work with. I mean, right. unless I tore a backsplash off or something silly. Right. So that's when I say, okay, now you're in the next version. You're in the $2,500 range because what I have to do is get you a, a an apron-style sink because, like, Kohler designs these. It's called a short apron, and it's designed specifically to the, – the bowl itself is 9 inches deep, and if you buy a regular apron sink, you'll get a 9-inch apron and a 9-inch bowl, and you'll buy a, a, an apron cabinet ready for that. But when you retrofit these, what you have to do is the, the bowl is 9 inches deep, but the apron's only like 6 and 5 eighths, which is a mm. cabinet, uh, a standard cabinet uh, drawer, uh, a sink drawer. So what I end up doing is is I'll cut the new sink opening. Hopefully you have a 36-inch cabinet because Kohler makes real nice 36-inch wide uh, sinks, and right. I'll cut a new a rectangular opening for you. And the the trick is you can't be afraid to tap a cabinet front off. They're, modern cabinets, they, they hot melt them together. It's really no big deal. You take the doors off, and you take a block of wood, and you smack on the back of that cabinet, and that cabinet front pops right off. Yep. Now... You have to do that because what you're going to end up doing is you have to put the sink after you've cut the cut out and polished it. After you've done that, 
you, you put the sink kind of in place, you kind of clamp it, but it's way far forward. Now you have to pull, and you've already put the harness on the sides of the cabinet, and you have to push the cabinet front back in place and push the sink in simultaneously because the, the cabinet front has to be on because you can't tighten the harness until the cabinet front keeps the sides apart. But you can't gotcha. put the cabinet front on until the sink is in place. So it's kind of a – they both have to go in together, and that's the whole trick. Um, and, and once you get the sink roughly in place and, and then you've got the cabinet front back on, now you're good. You just simply run a bead of silicone around that, that flange, tighten your sink harness, clamp the sink, check your reveals, tighten that sink harness, and that's it. You're done. Hook up the plumbing. It's ready to rock and roll. And, you know, and most people listening are saying, wow, $2,500 is a lot of money. But when you think about, you know, what's it going to cost you to replace that entire countertop? Uh, you're talking, well, you know, and, at, at least oh, twice that, if not more. Oh, oh, well, it, 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 yeah, exactly. Because you you don't get to just replace the ruined sink countertop. Oh, you no. Place the whole, whole you have to replace the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because where are you going to get stone that's going to match? Exactly. Not. Now, unless it's, it's, this is in an island or something, and you, you want to make contrast to your friend, you've got some sort of reddish-brown granite going on, and you want a nice black island to contrast, good for you. You're good. But if you think you're going to go down to your local stone yard and pick out a stone that you bought five years ago and you're going to match it, good luck with that. You might get lucky. But odds are, no, you're not. Um, no, not at so, all. So, yes, it's always about – I always tell people that I'm really not in the sink business or the repair business. I'm in the cost-effectiveness business. I if like that. I can't, if I can't be the most cost-effective solution for you, I don't have anything for you. I don't, I don't want your business. I don't want – and I've had some people where I say, well, you know, it's 1000 to fix your rod. You're still going to see it, or it's 2500 to put a sink in. Or, you know what, you might look at that as maybe new tops for you are five or seven grand. And I've had some women say, you know what, I'd rather have that be my down payment on new tops. I never really liked this top since we moved in anyway. I, good for you, lady. I just want you to be happy. And, and, and some people look at it that way is, you know what, I'd rather take that $1,000 and buy the countertops I always wanted then I the, towards the countertops I want it, then pay Joe to fix it. That's perfectly fine with me. But oftentimes what happens is um, you're looking at uh, 5000 7000 to replace lots of stone. And, and, I, and I promise you, when you replace that stone, you're not getting the sink that I'm putting in. That apron sink that I'm putting in is a magazine-quality knockout. Oh, my God, hands on the cheek. The women can't believe how cool that sink is. Do you, do you have, Joe, do you have do you have any pictures of that on your website? I think you do, don't you? Um, you know, I haven't updated my website in ages, uh, and I'm 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 remiss in that. I I should get on my website, and uh, I, I got to hire somebody to help me with that because I am just not web savvy enough to do that. Uh, I can I can I can, rec I can uh, recommend some, someone for that if you want, but I think that'd be a good idea. Yeah. I'm sure folks listening uh, to this and of course this show's archive too, so not only are they listening now, there'll be you no know, other listeners listening to the to the archive uh version 
um, as as well. You know, it's funny you mentioned uh, matching stone. And uh, actually, before I get to that question, was, when you were talking, I got a bunch of questions that just popped in my head. The first one is, had a customer come to you and say, is this the fabricator's fault? Can I go back and uh, blame the fabricator for this? Oh, oh, absolutely. This is all fabricator error. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, but have you ever, but but there's you, a reason they're calling me and not the fabricator because he's out of business. Or although one time I did have a customer who who absolutely flat out denied that they rotted the top, and I I told the lady I said, ma'am, if I come over <laughs> and I and I reach under there, if there is not a rod, if I do not pull a steel rod out from under your counter, I will buy you the kitchen countertops of your dreams no limit <laughs> that's how sure i am when i come over i've seen the picture that there's a rusty rod under your countertop now who are you going to believe a guy who's going to give you all new countertops if he's lying or, or these guys you know and and then exactly. sure enough i give him the rusty rod to go back to the guy and say well here's a video of me pulling this rusty rod out of your top that you just got through telling these people that you don't rod. Well, sorry, but here's your top and here's your rusty rod and the lady's <laughs> going to carry it back into the shop for you. Oh, how did that rod get in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> must, must have jumped in, I, I guess. <laughs> I, I see it constantly. It's it's, And I think that the thing that particularly I find aggravating about this, imagine if there was like a car dealer, a Ford dealer or something, and you go walk into the showroom, and this Ford dealer is notorious for having big scratches and dings in his cars in the showroom. And, and all the other Ford dealers are like, Jim, what is the matter with you? You're making us all look bad. Your cars look terrible. And when they come in the showroom, people expect to be knocked out by this. And it's kind of the same thing in the, this fabricator error. It's, it's hurting the industry. You know, it's it's a it's a preventable problem that hurts the stone industry. You want to be able to sell bling. You're selling against windows. You're selling against cars. You're selling against a fancier roof and window treatments. You've got to sell how good they're going to feel looking at that gorgeous counter every morning when they get up to make their coffee. And what's the guy doing who's putting a rod in wrong? He's screwing up the program he's he's taking the food off your kid's table when he's doing this and i, I agree and that's you know, the I message remember, i'd like to get yeah yeah I, I agree 100 percent. i remember years ago when i first got in this business you did there was virtually no competition even in your your large markets and now you've got everybody and their uncle that are in the fabrication oh, yeah. business i mean right on down to what yeah. i call the shade the shade tree fabricator and i joke about that but yeah. i know guys that are actually going on site with their pickup truck, with a a frame yep. and they're actually fabricating in someone's driveway. Well, you know, that guy was yep. $3,000 cheaper than, uh, than the guy down the street that, you know, has a shop, but you know, it, it's the old story. You get what you pay for. Well, is, well, right. And, and yeah, the, the uh, other thing uh, I find that fabricators are, are loathe to do is sell the things that should be sold. Like, um, the thing that drives me crazy is the pencil edge around the sink. Right. Nowhere <laughs> on earth should you have a pencil edge around your sink. Yes, your designer may say it's cool and it looks good. And I'm telling you, you're going to chip that sink edge every time. 
And what they should say is, look, Joe's going to charge you 300 bucks to grind these chips out of this sink. I'm only going to charge you 150 to put a half-inch radius around there instead of the standard pencil edge. It's a great value. And that's what those guys should be selling is value that, yes, we have to charge you. You can't compare us to the cheap guy because it takes more time to put that larger radius on. we got to polish it up. But it's going to mean your tops are going to look better longer. And all you need is one visit from Joe, one visit from Joe, one <laughs> half of a visit from Joe, and you've paid for this already. So – so buy it now. You know. It may it makes sense, and uh, you know these some of these fabricators. Now, now I don't want I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. There are some excellent fabricators out there, yeah, uh, but there but you're you're competing with these fly by night guys a lot of times. And I think what what you've just said is is true. Educate your customer. You know, tell them this is the way you yeah. do it, and this is why your price is a lot higher. And you know, unfortunately, that's less business for you, less business for me, but there's plenty of hacks out there that will keep us in business, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you absolutely – if you compete on price in the granite business, you're dead uh, because fabricators are like mushrooms the way they just pop up. And, and these guys, if they pop up, they've got a saw, they've rented a space, and they got a pickup, and they're in the, they think they're going to compete against you. And if you think you're going to compete against these guys on price uh, and win, you, you're 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 not going to. It's not going yeah, to. Yeah, and especially in the Florida. Continue yeah. to lower the price. Especially in the Florida market. I mean, what most people don't realize oh. about the Florida Florida market compared to some other some other states is that you don't need any special license to fabricate in Florida uh, or to no. install. No, you don't. Or to install for no. that matter. You know, nope. tile where, and cabinets. And countertops are specifically exempted from Florida contracting law. I am a licensed Florida building contractor, CBC 1259693, um, but I, I rarely need my license um, because a lot of the work that I do is considered maintenance under Florida law. Uh, right. Unless I cut pipes for a sink, that's plumbing, you got to get a plumber, or else the customer has to do it himself. But, right. Um, so I'm familiar with uh, Florida contracting law, uh, and, and I know that anybody – you can put in cabinets. You can put in countertops. It's not inspected. It's not uh, – uh, you know, there, there's no rules on and, and unfortunately, the same thing applies to tile. And the tile jobs I see down here, uh, I don't, don't even get me started. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm sure we could trade stories on that all day long. I mean, my oh. primary business, my primary business is inspections, and uh, I'm I'm glad there's not a law that keeps me in business. <laughs> sad, sad to say that. <laughs> uh, it's sad to say that, but uh, I mean, I, and you know, the funny thing is, Joe, is that you know, you would think you would find those sort of failures that we see in spec homes, but I've seen them up to homes in Palm Beach that were forty million dollar homes. Same crappy yep. work, same crappy work. Yep. So you know, as I said, yep. the good again, contractors. Good. Yeah, they they won't sell what they they won't sell their product. They won't say, "Listen, I'm not competing on price." You know, this is why you got to have this underlayment. This is why we got to do this prep. This is why blah blah blah. And 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 we don't have callbacks. We don't have failures. And the reason is is because we insist that our customers do this the way we are going to have it done. 
And and I'll tell you, that's one of, been one of my things is um, I, I always tell my customers, you get where, when, why, uh, and what, but I always keep how and who always belong to me. And how how your job will be done will always be up to me, or we can work on it, but I'll, you know, I'll, I mean, I'm negotiable, but, you know, the bottom line is how your job gets done is my call, and if you have a problem with that, then we're not right for each other because you can have everything else, where, when we're going to do it, all that stuff, fine. But I'm keeping how, and I'm keeping who. I'm keeping who does the job. That's going to be me or my designate or who I approve of. Those two things are non-negotiable with me, and I think more contractors should take that idea. Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. Well, Joe, we're going to have to wrap things up here in a minute, but I'll give okay. you uh, one last one last word here. I don't know if you want to give your uh, contact information out for some consumers or architects sure. that might that might need your services. Go ahead and do that. Yeah, it's Joseph Corlett, LLC. My phone number is 248-842-5693. My email address is loosedeckcannon, all one word, L-O-O-S-E-D-E-C-K-C-A-N-N-O-N at gmail.com. So get a hold of me, and I'll be happy to chit-chat on the phone for free and uh, send me a picture and diagnose it over the phone and tell you what you need to do. Great. I appreciate it, Joe. And, hey, I'm not that far from you, so one of these days I'll get over your way. We can uh, have some lunch or something. Yeah, that sounds great, Fred, because you know what I do? I make it over to your coast occasionally, too, and uh, – and I'm going to have to uh, check up on you, and we'll stay in touch. Definitely. Sounds good, it. Joe. Thanks a lot. This is great. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, sir. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. I know we didn't have a lot of time to take questions from Joe, but uh, go ahead and send me an email, if you will, at fhouston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Uh, that was a, quite an interesting perspective on, on rotting. So uh, I'm sure there's a lot of fabricators out there, especially that might disagree. And uh, hey, I, that, I, I'm no, no problem with that. If you'd like to uh, call in and be interviewed like Joe did, I'd be more than happy to have you on online. But I, I do primarily agree with what Joe said. So anyway, uh, that's about it for this week's show. I will see everybody next week, same time. Uh, East 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If anybody wants to be interviewed, go ahead and send me an email. Let me give you that information out one more time. It's F Houston, F H U E S T O N at G. I have my Facebook page, which is Stone Forensics. Just go into the search box there on uh, Facebook and type in Stone Forensics. You will get to it. I also have a Stone Inspection Forum uh, on that uh, page as well. You can ask to join that. So I'll see everybody next week, and uh, have a great weekend.